can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy Diposito, and the Celtics come out with a huge win, 114-103. We are joined by the one and only BasketBot. Welcome to the podcast once again, my friend. Yes, thank you for the intro. I really appreciate it. Great to be back. Absolutely. All right, well, want to follow today's podcast slightly different than what we're used to here. Uh, So still going to go through player of the game, run through uh, really the highs and the lows of today, because there certainly were some on both ends. Uh, But on the second half, I want to dive into the progression of Jason Tatum, what that means for the Celtics. Uh, And then I want to wrap up with a little standings update here. Uh, To get things started off, I'm going to push it over to you. Uh, Curious to hear who your player of the game is. I mean, honestly, it's got to be Jason Tatum. I mean, honestly, I mean, it seems to be kind of almost like a broken record, but Jason Tatum just putting the team on his back almost the last three, four games since the All-Star game. He's just killing it. I yeah. mean, and it, it seems like anytime he can get a bucket anytime he wants, he's the best player on the floor anytime, even against KD. But this is Detroit we're talking about here. Like, who do they have? You know, it's like Cade Cunningham, he's a rookie, like, Jason Tatum, hands down. Yeah, yes, Jason Tatum tonight. It's it is hands down. Like it's it's been hands down for the last like week or so. Uh, but total stat line for Tatum tonight: thirty-one points, eight rebounds, six assists. So led the team in points, uh, led the team in assists. Was only one rebound shy of Robert Williams in rebounding as well. So overall, just an unbelievable game, and he's continuing to do it efficiently. Uh, 13 of 27 today from the field, getting downhill uh, consistently. And again, we'll talk about really his progression uh, and kind of what status he's putting himself on in the second half here. But tonight, super efficient night again. Kind of struggled from three a little bit, only two of nine, but so was the entire team. It's kind of an abysmal three-point shooting performance today overall. Uh, I mean, yeah, it blows my mind that he's, I mean, this game, 22% from three, but yet 48% field goal efficient, and he has still 31 points. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane that he's getting still his – but that's the, that, that was the thing that you could kind of tell changed somewhere in between, like, the second and third quarter was they weren't settling for threes anymore. They started yeah. going for twos and – Driving to the to the rim, the surprisingly, Marcus Smart's the one who averaged the highest in the threes today, which was sixty six percent. I felt like that was probably because at the end of the game, Pistons finally gave up. Well, a lot of it too, and a lot of this kind of comes back to Tatum, and that's why I was so impressed with him today. Is the fact that he's become so good at recognizing the double, accepting it and making the right play out of it. Two of Marcus Smart's threes, I believe, I know one of them at least, came from a Jason Tatum double who found Jalen Brown, and then Jalen Brown dished it over for the wide-open corner three for Smart. And, like, that's just it's how Tatum has been playing, and that's the reason, to me, that I made this whole second segment. I want to talk about his progression here because He's creating so many opportunities for guys 
just by accepting a double team. And he's playing at such a high level where a double team is 100% warranted, which is just great to see. And it's what's, what's even crazier is that, like, even when he's getting doubled, he's still getting by guys, too. Yeah. It's, yeah, and that's, that's when this team is at their best, is when they're all driving. So, it, it is. It's a great performance from him. So, so listen, for... For my for my player of the game here, I I'm a little torn, right? Because I know deep down inside, Marcus Smart was the second best guy, and I'll I'll probably just give it to him. But we need to talk about Peyton Pritchard here for a little bit, and I know a lot of people probably aren't going to agree with me on this, but Peyton Pritchard tonight played a huge role in the fourth quarter. And it's not from a scoring standpoint. It's not like he went out and, and lit it up from the scoring perspective. But energy, everything tonight. Defense had a couple st- – actually, I guess stat sheet only shows one steal. But he was very involved in two straight possessions defensively that led to huge he baskets. What, uh, sorry, he reminded me of what people think Aaron Eastmith is supposed to be. Yeah. Like, he was all over the place. I mean, he lived up to his old nickname, Fast PP. Yeah. I mean, he was everywhere in the fourth quarter, and it looked like he was just a pest. Uh, what's that term? Fly in the ointment? Like, yeah. he, was, he was just a pest the entire time. Like, it didn't matter if someone was bigger switching on him. He's got fast hands. Yeah. And it, it's really funny. I call him Fast Feet. Like, because if you watch him when he's in there, his feet are like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, seriously, though, it is. It's like, a, it, it's just, a, this is a great performance from him. And it's not straight from the stat sheet. Like only four points isn't crazy, but it's when those points came. It's when the steals came. I mean, he forced that jump ball after the Cade rebound late. So a lot of it, it's just all of this stuff put together a huge fourth quarter run for the Celtics team. And it was incredibly impressive. Can we talk about that ball for just like a half a second? Sure. I literally said, somehow in some way, I feel like Pritchard is going to win. I told this to my girlfriend. I said, somehow in some (laughs) way, Pritchard's going to win this jump ball. And sure enough, he didn't necessarily get it, but he disrupted it enough that it got to, I think, Grant Williams. Yep, Grant made a good push for it. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so really Marcus Smart realistically was the second best player today, but I was so impressed with what Peyton Pritchard kind of brought to the team here. So I had to bring him up early. Uh, but Marcus Smart tonight, I thought was fantastic. And Cade Cunningham for the Pistons obviously went off. Like he had a hell of a game, but there was a point where he had, I want to say it was 19 points in the first half. And in the third quarter, Marcus Smart in the first nine minutes, pretty much eight minutes, was guarding Cade and held him to nothing. And then as soon as Marcus Smart came out, Cade went off, had another, I think it was seven points right after that. So defensively, he played a great game, Marcus Smart. Uh, But offensively, this is another game. You know, 20 points, three rebounds, five assists, five steals which is absurd to think of, uh, and only one turnover. And like you mentioned earlier, from the field, like a very efficient game. Six of ten, two of three from three. 
I gotta say, the usual suspects in this that kind of seem off to me, it wasn't just Jalen. Rob looked a little off today, too. Uh, and, I mean, Derek, Derek White, while not having a ton of points, was a dog on defense. I mean, he did everything right today. Yeah. I, I, I again, said this to my girl when we were watching this. I said, Derek White, we really need to start appreciating him because he's just so solid. Like he's like this weird mixture of how you looked at Gordon Hayward and Marcus Morris coming off the bench. Like he'll get his buckets if he really wants it, like Marcus Morris. Yeah. But always looking to pass like Gordon Hayward. So and it's <laughs> it's refreshing. As soon as as soon as you gave the shout out to Derek White. I was literally just going to bring up his game is so similar to Gordon Hayward. Like so similar. He plays he plays at a higher pace. Like he's he's obviously a way faster, way better defender than Gordon Hayward, but the way they play offensively is very very similar. Gordon Hayward always had the like, okay, so it would go Jalen or go Tatum Jalen, Tatum Jalen, maybe Kemba or whoever was the point guard at the time. Kyrie, if you will. But if it went back to Gordon, he'd be in the mid-range. Yeah. Look around, see that there was like 10 seconds left, and then he would back up all the way past the key and like charge forward past the free throw line and then put up like a floater or a, re- or a layup or something or like some sort of weird like turnaround fadeaway. Derek White kind of does the same thing, but I see Derek White as a little bit more of a slasher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing that I love about Derek White, and I tweeted this during the game, like he is the perfect fit for this team, and a lot of it comes down to you know, Ime Doka talked about it in the beginning of you know when we first traded for him. Derek White is a point five guy, and basically, if you haven't heard the term, if you haven't heard that interview with him, point five seconds is when Derek White will make his decision. And if he doesn't know what he's doing, he gets rid of it. In 0.5 seconds, he's, he's either shooting, driving, or passing. And that just creates an offense that is so fluid, and it just doesn't stagnate. And that's incredibly important for this team. Okay. Now, I, want to, I really do want to continue about the 0.5 and Derek White. But you brought up something that kind of like I have to mention about the offense not stagnating. What's going on with Jalen Brown? (laughs) I I don't know why. I know it's a weird segue, but that felt the only thing that felt out of place tonight. Again, Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah, he had a good, what is it, 22 points. He just looked off tonight. Like, he... He wasn't slack. Like he was getting to the bucket there in the what, second and third quarter. He looked really good when he was driving, but his jump shot looks all kinds of off. Which whatever, it's gonna happen. But I like your I liked your analogy of the or your your point of point five guy. Jalen is kind of the opposite. When he's not getting it going, he's looking to get it going. What do you, how, how do you feel about that? And we can move on, or unless you're saving that for another time. No, I mean, listen the way the way I look at it, and I know we talked about it in the chat too. Like, I just I don't think that Jalen Brown 
is that guy all the time. Tonight, did he have a bad game? Sure. I'll I'll admit that. Like he's he's in a little bit of a slump, but but honestly, bad game though. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't say he had a bad. Twenty two points is not a bad game. Yeah, but if you look at the efficiency wise, like he's typically a guy that's going to be you know mid to mid to high forty percent shooting. Like he is a thirty five percent three point shooter. So like that that aspect, this isn't his typical efficiency level. Sure. Um, but one thing I will note, like I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily agree that he's a a ball stopper. I don't as know if he's going to be a ball stopper, but I will say that the one thing that has always been knocked against him is that once he gets in his head, it kind of turns into that. Like like I'm getting mine, and then it's kind of like then there's the halftime adjustment where everybody's moving the ball and Jalen's kind of in the corner. I'm not really looking to dwell on Jalen. I thought he had a pretty okay game. It really is starting to look like, though, the Giannis and Chris Middleton, where Tatum is the Giannis and Jalen is very clearly the Chris Middleton, where in the beginning of the season, it was a little bit closer, where one was the dribble iso while the other was the slasher drive and dunk. I don't really want to dwell on that too much because I, I, I don't really want to rag on Jalen. I, I think he had a great night tonight. And I do think, though, that when it comes to this time of the season, it is very clear Tatum is the ceiling for this team. And Tatum is that one, and Jalen is the two. So so from- hold So hold on to that. Hold on to that because I do want to talk about that in depth. In the next segment here, because Jason Tatum's progression is is the topic of conversation for today, and re- like it has to be. Uh, but before we dive into that, let's let's finish let's finish up today. You brought up Rob Williams, and I, I gotta I gotta push back a little bit here because I thought he played a great game. I thought he had a, I thought he played excellent tonight. There were certain points where like we were giving up a good amount of offensive rebounds. That was act. That was typically when he wasn't on the floor. I thought, from an energy perspective, even the like the out of timeout calls, the inbounds plays, where you know the Marcus Smart to Al- to Rob Williams alley oop on an inbounds play, like that's becoming a staple for this team. Like anytime someone drives, he provides that vertical spacing. The big needs to stay attached to him, which just opens up the lane, like. I think he's doing a lot of things really, really well. Like, really well. I agree. Robert Williams is becoming this kind of... Uh, personally, in my opinion, I know a lot of people might say Smart is the third best, but to me, it really does go Tatum, Jalen, Williams. When yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not even disagreeing with you on that. I, I agree. I think Robert Williams is that potential third star. And he's just... He really is like... There was a really great video today by uh, B-Ball Breakdown. I don't know if you ever watched his videos. Uh, but he broke down our defense against the Nets and the way that we switch. And it was very intuitive. The, our defense is like on a string. The way we switch. And Robert Williams is at the center of every single best defensive play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually talked about it in the last podcast, too. Like, what Ime Adoka 
has put together from a defensive perspective is incredible. Like he's not matching up Robert Williams with the other the other team's big. He's matching them up. He's matching them up with someone on their lineup that's not typically a shooter. So he has the ability to roam and be that free safety type player. And that's why the Celtics defense excels because he has the ability to go out and just be that safety that's running around making plays. Yeah, but, he, he has become he has become the safety net for a lot of their things, and not just that, but you know what you notice his body language and face, his, his facial expressions, completely different. I mean, he is aware of how impactful he is, and you see how serious he takes it. He used to be like all smiles all the time on the court. And yeah, like really. I mean, not only does he look bigger. He's still springy, but man, he is serious. I mean, really serious. Like, I don't ever see him smiling at all. Like, he is focused. Yeah. At all. It's like, I don't know if he looks at the Time Lord. I remember the, the whole, he actually hated the Time Lord nickname, but like. Well, how can he not? I mean, it's a pretty terrible nickname considering the origin of it. <laughs> and, and he's been. I was always saying, like, for years, I was like, can we just put Robin? Like, can we, like, when we had Thais, when we had Cantor, when we had Tristan, I was like, can we please just put Robin? Yeah. But whatever, whatever lingering issues he's had with injuries, he seemed to rectify it with pure hard work in the gym. Yeah. Because he's not only not getting injured, but he's well exceeding that contract that Brad extended him to. I mean... Can we just, like, one brief little bitty-bitty nugget of a second. Can we just talk about something real quick? Like, the Brad Stevens, like, weird, true, like, path forward here. I know it's so weird, but I feel like we're at a path, we're at a point in the season where we really got to give some kudos to Brad. Not only has oh, he yeah. extended, not only has he extended players and continued to add players to the identity where there is no weak link on this switching system that they got going on here. But Brad is doing a really bang up job. While also there was reports during the, the, the trade deadline that Brad was really good to work with and it wasn't trying to be one sided. And yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes to what it, the narrative was for Danny Ainge, where Danny Ainge always tried to like milk a stone. Yeah, I mean, Danny Ainge was, if, if he didn't fleece the other team, it was a loss, and he wouldn't do it. Like, Brad's, like, both teams are coming out winning on a lot of these trades, and I think that's why teams are more, teams are going to be more apt to work with the Celtics, if that's I, I the case. I feel like we're at a point in the NBA where there really isn't a fleecing anymore. Like, every GM has grown up in the modern NBA, and they're well aware of not only reputation, but the quote-unquote one-sided trade. And everyone's aware of it. So right now, it's all about picks and players. Yeah. Can you get somebody who can average 10? Do they shoot? Do they defend? Are they offensive or are they defensive? Like, I mean, we all play 2K. Like, I can tell you right now that a lot of the moves Danny Ainge was doing in the last couple of years, like the Luke Cornette, getting rid of Thice, like, there were some really boneheaded moves, but... This kind of segues back into Derek White. 
a lot of people hate that trade because we gave up not only Richardson, but Romeo Langford, and like two picks, I think. Yeah. Uh, Derek White's working out for us. And, yeah. and, and it's working out for the Spurs, who are kind of a non-factor, too. It feels like both sides won, which is kind of the modern NBA. And uh, I really like Derek White on this team. Yeah, he's a, he's a great player. fit. He's a great fit. And honestly, like, I don't... The Josh Richardson thing, fine. Like, he's a good player, and I've talked about this, too. Derek White's better. Romeo's a complete non-factor because he was never healthy. Like, he's still hurt. He's on the Spurs hurt, not playing right now anyway. The picks, whatever. I know the other day he had, I don't know, he was playing for the Spurs, and everybody was all, like, sad emoji, like, oh, Romeo. Oh Romeo, there you are, thou Romeo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm over it. I don't. Romeo is a complete non-factor to me. I could not care less getting rid of him, honestly. Especially if you're bringing in a guy like White. And, and part of the reason why I like White is showcased today in today's game. Like he is very accepting of whatever role we need to put him in. If he needs to be the point guard, he'll be that point guard. If he needs to be you know, the slashing shooting guard, he'll be that guy. Like he doesn't he doesn't need a specific role throughout the course of the season. He can adapt to it and that's I think why he fits here so well. Yeah, and it felt like they were trying to make I think the hearsay on uh Romeo for a while was they wanted him to be like the Gordon Hayward light coming off the bench for yeah. a while there. They really wanted him to be the ball-moving, playmaking, defense, mid-range shooting, you know. And he's all he can be all that, but you look at, like, for instance, like Romeo Langford and Grant Williams, look at the steps that they have taken around the same age, and they have catapulted above Romeo. I... <laughs> Romeo in the bubble, his greatest moment was doing that weird dance move on the sideline and, like, becoming a meme. Like, Romeo's been a non-factor for seasons, and I don't feel any love lost for getting rid of him. I will say, though, if we could have maybe, I don't want to say get rid of Neesmith instead of Richardson, Richardson would have been great. It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. The money wouldn't have worked. The money wouldn't have matched up. And you also like why would why would San Antonio do that? Anyway, or a they would have right. had to have added another pick. And another, yeah, no, I know. I but know. at that point, at that point, I don't even think it's worth it. Getting rid of three picks is a lot for for a guy. But anyway, anyway, I, I wanna I wanna bring it back in here a little bit. But so to wrap to wrap up the good part, right? We got to talk about we got to talk about this real quick. Thirteen points in the fourth quarter. The Pistons did not get a field goal until 30 seconds left in the game with Sadiq Bey. All of their points in the fourth quarter were either free throws or came after the 30-second mark, which is absolutely mind-boggling to think of. So this is, like, this is a game where, you know, defensively, it was not our best performance. Right, like not a not a great performance defensively through the first three quarters, but that fourth quarter, the Celtics just honed in and took this to a completely different level. Thirteen points again. Sadiq Bay hit the Pistons' first field goal 
of the fourth quarter with 30 seconds to play. Like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that in an NBA game. That's wild to me. I would say that I feel like the the Pistons, to me, they match up well in terms of length and hustle, but they also hit their threes, as some I'm noticing. I mean, they're very hustle-oriented, you know? Like, they're not even, I mean, they're good, but they're young. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, that, they're that physical team that's going to push the pace on you. They'll take advantage of mistakes. And you got to give a lot of credit to Cade Cunningham. Like, as a, as a rookie coming in, doing what he's doing, it's, it's impressive. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists tonight for him. Like, it's a, it's a solid game. He played 41 minutes. It's like it's a, the entire team is basically being put on a, a rookie's back. And that's, it's going to be tough for anyone to win like that. But unless you're, you know, Jason Tatum. It kind of feels like, I mean, even when Jason Tatum was a, a rookie, he was the guy in the corner. Like, yeah. he was the girl. Yep. Like, Cade is very, very good, except defensively. Yeah. I mean, he's got the size. I mean, dude's what, 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, I want to say 6'6", six, six, but I could be wrong on that. But, yeah, I mean, for a point guard, that's that's big. It's big. Um, so, listen, I don't want to – I don't really want to dwell on any of the bad stuff. Because, honestly, defense, first three quarters, not very good. Uh, offensively, I thought we played a fairly good game all around. Defensively, fourth quarter, I thought was spectacular. But like I mentioned earlier, I do want to I do want to talk about the progression of Jason Tatum, kind of where he sits in the NBA here, and then wrap up with some of the standings. Uh, before we do so, want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can get $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round, and who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, guys, time for a new favorite sponsor alert, Venture Greens Nutrition. Venture Greens Nutrition is changing the nutrition game forever. They offer one-on-one coaching where they build macro-based diets to get you moving in the right direction. As great as the coaching is, what I love most about Venture Green Nutrition is their line of CBD products. They have tinctures, salves, beard care, and gear, and the best part is, all Venture Greens Nutrition's products are formulated and manufactured in their own facilities in the United States. Check them out at VentureGreensNutrition.com. Use code CelticsTake15, that's CelticsTake15, for 15% off. You won't regret it. 
All right, so we are back. want to talk about Jason Tatum and his progression here. And I know we've talked about him a little bit already, but he's taken a huge leap in the last, actually, really calendar year. So the last, you know, two and a half, three months. Uh, want to hear your thoughts. Like, what do you kind of, how, why is Jason Tatum making this giant leap here? Realistically, I feel like the All-Star game. I mean, not the All-Star game itself, but that weekend. Like, ever since the first that I started noticing it was when we started playing up against other All-Stars. We, him, Jason Tatum, started playing up against other All-Stars. He's like, yeah, you're an All-Star? Guess what? I'm an All-Star. And, like, he started really taking it to uh, Trey Young, John Morant. I mean, KD, you, you name it. If they were supposed to be or if they were at that All-Star game, he takes it right to them. I, <laughs> now, I'm not going to say that that's the end-all, be-all. What I'm seeing overall, though, is it's been since the All-Star game where, you know, Allen Iverson is talking about his game and he's taking pictures with other Celtics legends. Who knows if maybe they had private conversation? We don't know. We're not privy to that. We just see the pictures. But yeah. you know, maybe there was some, yeah. you know, side room talk. He goes back, feels rejuvenated, feels like, man, this is, this, I was a part of not only just an all-star game, but I was a part of the 75th year where it feels like more than half of the people here are Celtics. I'm a Celtic. That could be me, you know? Like, maybe, you don't know. I mean, maybe that had an effect on him because ever since then, he's been passing the ball defending on an elite level sure he still bitches at the refs or he complains to the refs but he also gets back on d and he's had some really amazing blocks like that block he had on the other game against the hornets oh there was another one Lamelo. Lamelo was there in the all-star game man he really took it to Lamelo the other day yeah Lamelo. Lamelo didn't even play in what the, the the third quarter it was or second quarter it was really weird like he came back and he just wasn't even playing, which back Isaiah to Thomas game. played fairly well in that stretch of minutes and I think that was kind of why they, like they the Isaiah Thomas didn't have a crazy stat sheet game but his plus minus was there like he actually played pretty well so I think that was kind of yeah. the reason but yeah no you're right it was kind of interesting to see him not out there for a good stretch but. It, it, it is weird, though, that it seems to be that anytime Tatum goes up against another All-Star, he's like, you're an All-Star? All right, I'm going to show you I'm an All-Star. I was the starter over for, for KD. I was, like, picked. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm on that level, you know, and, like, he hasn't backed down. Not only that, not only that but when he drives to the rim, man, people are bouncing off of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think that's I think that's the biggest reason that he's made such a big leap this season. Like, he's very much taking all of those newfound muscles and using it, using them to body his way to the rim. And he's doing it with such a conviction where he's like, this is, this is how we're going to win. This is how I'm going to score. And when he gets downhill... He's making things happen. If he gets doubled, he gets to kick it out. Because let's be honest, like if you're if you're doing a bunch of you know fadeaway threes, step back threes, 
that's not doing anything for the defense. If he hits the shot, great, right? But the rest of the four guys, I mean, unless your name's Time Lord and you have the potential of a, a putback off of a Jason Tatum miss, if you miss, that's the end of the possession, right? But if Jason Tatum gets downhill, there's a couple things that are going to happen. He's either going to score, he's going to get doubled and find someone, or he's going to get fouled and he's going to go to the free throw line. And he's done such a good job of making that a priority. And that's when the game is completely flipped. At the the beginning of the season, that was another thing, right? He's driving to the rim, but who's he kicking it to? Like, especially if Jalen is on the bench, who's he kicking it to? Uh, What's it? uh, I can't even remember the people that we got rid of. What was his name? Uh, Schroeder. Richardson. I mean, no, I mean, the, those those guys were there. Like, they were hitting – Josh Richardson was shooting, like, 41% from three. So, like, he was doing it. Honestly, even Dennis Schroeder, I think, was, like, 37, which is still one of the higher percentages compared to the team. But the fact of the matter was, like, Jason Tatum wasn't, wasn't doing this. Like, he was not driving the same way looking to make the right play. The difference I'm seeing is trust. I feel like it's like Tatum said, if I pass it to you, and you see this in Al Hartford now, especially, if I kick it to you, it's because I trust you. And ever since that, Al Hartford, he's like got this newfound confidence, this veteran. He's everyone talks about his age and he's been playing great on both sides of the floor. Al Hartford has been hitting his shots. I mean, tonight he was a little quiet. It was a it was a weird game, and they had Vice in there a little bit more than they would normally, probably because if you're Eme, you're like, this is a gimme game. We should win this game, so why am I going to play Al Hartford 30 minutes or whatever? Uh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's basically it. Like, they don't want to play Al Horford more than thirty minutes. So if, you're gonna, you're gonna get if, Grant minutes. You're gonna get Tice minutes. Like, those are the two guys that are just gonna naturally play more. I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with Vice because Vice hits good seals for Tatum. Like we forget, but Vice used to hit the Gortat screen for Tatum to get him open. It would oh yeah, doubles, and and. Tatum would just go right down to the rim. I mean, Tatum never drove to the rim, but he would get to the rim if Thice hit the double screen for him to get it open, and he would go. So I still trust Thice on that level. Um, Say what you will about his free throws, but anyways, go back to the main point here. The point is, is that Tatum trusts his teammates, and he's probably had these talks, which is where the overall demeanor has changed. If I pass it to you, it's because I trust you. Yeah. And a lot of it, too, like he's coming out and saying at the end of the games, too. Like he's talking about trusting his guys, but he's also just talking about going out there and having fun with everybody. And I think a lot of that, like the team camaraderie is always going to be higher when the assist numbers are up, right? Because everyone's getting involved. There's no more, there's no more ISO. Well, there's less ISO. I can't say there's no more ISO because there's certainly still going to be some from both of the Jays on that. But both of them are playing at a level where they're making the right reads. Like when you have Jason Tatum with six assists, Jalen Brown with four, like that's a recipe for success. Like you're finding guys, you're making the right plays. 
I do notice that Jalen does pass more. The one thing um, that you kind of mentioned about the team camaraderie, the dip, the camaraderie before, the, take this back to this old Celtics Twitter picture that was flown around of Kemba and Romeo and all them, and they, they look like they were stoned, right? They look. They look like they were stoned, and they look like, what did they do? They went to go see a movie or something. It was Romeo and Kemba and Smart. I think Semi Ojale was also in the picture. The difference between the off-court stuff has now become the on-court. Before, it felt like they were cool off the court, and now they're cool on the court as well because everybody's finally playing into their role, whether yeah. it's Smart not taking up bad shots anymore. He, he waits for the ball to come to him, or he'll move it, or there'll be an assist. Uh, Jalen, even if he has a bad game, he still passes. Everyone is moving the ball way more. Like I would honestly say it's really weird to say this, but they're moving the ball more than in the Stevens system. And that was like the holy grail back then, the Stevens moving the ball perimeter play. They're doing it in a way where it's like slashing, driving, kicking. Like Stevens was just perimeter. This one's like driving and kicking. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I think that's a huge thing for this team. You, Kurt Goldsberry puts out this efficiency landscape for the NBA, and he does it like every week, I believe, or every fifteen days. And the Celtics we're naturally the number one defense because we know that the defense is unreal, but we were the number four offense in the last, I, in the last 15 games. Did I see something like, I don't know if it was like TNT or tonight, but they pointed out that our offense in the last month was number one in the NBA. I don't know if it's like in the entire NBA, but they said something that our offensive rate, maybe it's our offensive rating, but it's like, way up there and it's, I, I, it's I, impressive because uh because we were like 27 earlier in the year and yeah. we're, now we're like fourth or one or i don't know whoever's chart it was we're like fourth or one or you know it's like it's insane to think that we've jumped so high but at the same time you'd like to see tatum do this in the beginning of the season because it kind of feels like he comes into the season Feeling those St. Louis barbecue wings, a little bit of hell over from the left, been a little tired, and he doesn't really want to get this going because let's be honest, the beginning of the season is like, bro, we got a long way to go, and then all of a sudden it always happens, right? Like in the last three seasons, around January, it's like turns it up. Yep, it's like here it comes, and it's insane because Jason Tatum can be that guy. It feels like anytime he wants. But it's like, no, I've learned that if I do this from the beginning, and he probably learned it from LeBron or any one of the modern superstars, if I do this in the beginning of the season, I've got nothing left for the end of the season. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm young. It doesn't matter if I'm young. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's extremely impressive. Like, he's brought in the Celtics to a point where they're 41-27 and 27 on the season at this point. Uh, and that's where I want to talk about some of the standings right now. Like, right now, the Celtics sit three and a half games back of Miami for the one seed. But the important part of this is that we're tied, we're in a virtual tie with the Chicago Bulls, right? Like, they're 
three and a half games back, we're three and a half games back. They've played two less games, so they have one less win, one less loss. Right? So that part, not too worried about. But three and a half games back from them, three, only a half game back from Philly, and one and a half from Milwaukee at the two seed. So this Eastern Conference is so close. So close. And the funny part is, like, there was a point in this season where the Celtics were 10. Honestly, I think we may have been 11 at one point. I think there was one point in the season. I think we were 12 at one point. It's crazy. It's absolutely, it's absolutely insane to think about. But we've climbed all the way back up and are now sitting, uh, what's it, 14 games over 500, And we are basically tied for the four seed. Like that, it's crazy. Realistically, speaking of the standings, I don't want the first seed. I really don't. Because we all know we're looking at that juggernaut at the bottom, the Brooklyn Nets. I would rather see a team like Miami, which is all grit and grind. and Like, I mean, yeah, they got talent. But I want to see a team like Miami tire out the Nets versus us blowing our legs and blowing our defense and all our effort against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round and maybe squeak by. Like, look, it's starting to look like Ben Simmons. He's going to come back. He's not going to be in shape. I mean, being in basketball shape, I mean, really real, real basketball shape, that takes at least three months to be at playoff level. Yeah. We don't got we don't got three months left. We got a month, maybe. Yeah. And Ben Simmons, he's been a bench warmer all season. Realistically, I think the Nets are gonna play the long game and they're not gonna play him and if they do, it'll be an elimination game. But even still, I don't see us I don't see them playing us or playing Ben Simmons in an elimination game because he's just not ready. He's not ready. Yeah, and and they have Katie and Kyrie, and sure that's enough. But and I get it, we beat them, but in a seven game series versus Katie and Kyrie, I don't want that in the first round. That sounds like a finals Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Yeah, I mean honestly, and this is I've said this before. Like I don't want to be one or two because you look at the the playing game. You've got Toronto and Brooklyn. That could potentially come out of that. On even even Charlotte is a good team. The Hawks are a good team. Like they, I'm not scared of the Hawks or the Hornets particularly, but Brooklyn could realistically end up seven or eight. And if that's the case, you know they're facing either one or two, right? Because you're matching up one versus eight, two versus seven. And, so what? Are the, so what are the schedule of losses then? You know, like like who are the ones that you see us kind of being like Tatum has a quote unquote sore knee or uh, Jalen has a ankle problem or no hamstring again, right? Like what are the what are the games? You know, like is it later closer to the playoffs or is it much more like before then? Because like I'm, we're gonna lose and we're gonna lose if we're going to maintain our standings, because like you and me both said, we're not just going to take an L. Like it doesn't look like this team is going to take an L. So who are we going to give an L to, to maintain that? Because 
as an organization, as players, you don't want Brooklyn in the first round. I don't care how confident you are. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they're, I don't think they're planning for any of that. Like, I think they're going to continue to go out and play everybody and try to win. That's now, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the the best case scenario. But Isn't you, it scary to think that we really are aiming for the first seed. It's it's possible. I listen. I don't think it's going to happen. Like I still, I've been saying this for a while. I think making up three games, three and a half games, over this short of a stretch is hard. It's possible though. Like I didn't. Yeah. Like we made up way more than three and a half games over you know a fifteen game stretch. Already this season, you know what I mean. But I just think at this point, I don't want to even make up a game and a half and go into the two seed, which is difficult. Um, but you look like the Celtics have, I believe it's the sixth hardest remaining schedule, uh, and then I believe Chicago has the third. They have so, the second or the third hardest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it. Chicago can fall. Philly got absolutely stomped on by the Brooklyn Nets, so they could fall too. And if that's the case, like it wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to jump up to that three seed. Uh, but listen, I, I I don't I don't know that there are any scheduled losses. I really don't. I forget, like it, I forget we're not in the LeBron East anymore, where it's kind of like all of a sudden Kyrie and Kevin Love and LeBron are all sitting for a rest day, you know, like we're not in that East anymore, but I'm used to that East because that's the basketball that I know in the last 10 years, you know, we're not in that East anymore because like you said, we are very close. Everybody is very close and every game, every team is one game, two games, three games. That's nothing. That's a week, one week. And all of a sudden you're in first place. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's realistically where it stands, right? Like, if every if the Eastern Conference is so close, seedings matter, right? Like, you want to be in the top four to get home court advantage in the first round. Like, you want to have those matchups where you're going to have a home court advantage, but you also like, want to be able to match up with teams that you want to match up against. So it, it, it's tough it for everybody. Crazy. It's crazy to think that, like you said, we were in the playoffs or play-in a month ago, like, and now all of a sudden we're like top five. Like, who could have even predicted? It feels like two seasons ago. Like, you go back and like see some old posts or or something you retweeted or liked, and that feels like you did that last year. I mean, I mean, last season, not just last year, but last season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty insane to think of. It's pretty insane to think of. So they, someone just put out a power rankings for the NBA, and I think it, I think it may have been ESPN. They had the Celtics at number one, which is absolutely crazy to think of. Which is, I mean, realistically, I don't know if that if that should be the case. Like we're still a five seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't think we should be a, a one in the power rankings ever, if that's the case. If uh, we're going to be honest, I think power rankings-wise, we're maybe, I mean, generously, i say four or fifth in the NBA, and that's behind the Nets. 
I don't see certainly not the Nets. You can't put the you can't put the Nets up that high when they're sitting in ninth in the Eastern Conference. And but at the same time, you can't really blame them either because of injuries. I get, I get it because they're so low. But it's been also Kyrie out because of non-vaccination. Harden sitting out when Kyrie was out, and then Harden, or sorry, KD was out with an injury. Completely yeah. makes sense. They also have a Joe Harris injury as well. So he's out for the season too. Like that's a big blow. Yeah. So I don't really. That's why. It's, if, if yeah, but if you want to go, if you want to go like Brooklyn Nets for NBA Finals odds, sure. But for power rankings right now, you can't do that. Can't do I, it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I guess like I just can't not see past like the talent. I, yeah, the talent. I mean, like even still, I mean, I think Steve. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Steve Nash is is a is a is a hack of a coach. I mean, he's not. He's a player's coach. He's like, you do what you do. I'm just going to kind of tell you what I see. Yeah. But, like, let's be honest. Like, if I'm going to – it's hard to even say that the Bucks, the Bucks are probably third, and it's because they don't have Lopez. And last year, their run, they had P.J. Tucker. So that's a lot of defense gone. Yeah. So in the power rankings, yeah, I put it Sun Celtics. I mean, I'm – It's impressive. It, it's crazy to say, but Sun Celtics – That'd be an insane finals. It would be it would be a lot of fun. And that is what we are hoping for. So with that, I'm gonna wrap things up here. But basketball, I appreciate you hopping on the pod. Uh, for everyone listening, make sure to follow him on Twitter. Uh, what's it at Basketbot? Is that it? Or Toyota's a, very own? <laughs> it's a basket B zero T, because you know I'm a robot. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so follow him on Twitter, guys. Uh, make sure to follow me at NBA Celtics Guy. Make sure to follow our Facebook page, Boston Celtics Till I Die. Uh, and make sure to rate and review the podcast. Five-star written review. Everything helps. Have a good night, Celtics fans. We will talk soon. Bleed green. Yes, sir. I can't help it, I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it now, nah. I can't help it now, nah. I can't help it, I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it, I'm all like a Celtic.